Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Do not say that Christian liberty means that I can just do anything I want and I don't have to think twice about it. This is the misunderstanding of liberty that sometimes people embrace. So here's what we need to realize. Christian freedom is freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Galatians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Galatians chapter 5, verses 7 through 16, in a message titled, Liberty and Love. Now, here's Pastor Brian. If I have a a poor performance... I don't conclude that I am no longer accepted by God because I'm, I'm freed from that. That's not how my acceptance with God works. So I'm, I'm out from the bondage of that. I'm no longer living with that kind of anxiety. And this is what people live with. They live with the, the anxiety of whether or not they're accepted by God. And it always goes back to performance. So if I seem to be performing well, then I have a great confidence that I'm accepted by God and I can expect God's smile to be given to me. I can expect his blessing and his favor because, you know, I'm just, I'm doing well. But if you think about it, if, if I'm thinking that way, I'm in a performance-based acceptance mode. And so conversely, if I am not performing well, then my expectation is very low for God's mercy or for his blessing or for any of those kinds of things, because after all, why would God want to bless me? I'm such a loser. But we've been set free from all that. That's what Paul is talking about. We are free and at rest in God's unfailing love. That's the third thing. So we're, we're freed from that kind of bondage, and now we're at rest in God's unfailing love. God loves me not just when I'm performing well, but he even loves me when I'm not performing well. His love for me doesn't change. Just like a parent loves their child, regardless of their performance, you love your child when they're good, you love them when they're bad, you love them when they're in between, you love your child. And so God loves us with an unfailing love. And so we're, we're free in that. We, we're free because we realize that it, God's love does not fluctuate with my ability to perform. And then fourthly, we are free to enjoy life in our Father's world. So we're free to enjoy life. Paul writes to Timothy at a certain point, and he says that God has given us all things richly to enjoy. And, and so we're freed from those kinds of things that religion so often brings along as restrictions. And and Paul puts it this way in writing to the Colossians. He, He describes it like, do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. And, and this is what religion does. It, it, it puts a limit on all of the, you know, the, these kinds of things in life and tells you, no, 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 you can't, you can't do that. You can't enjoy that. You can't experience that. You can't touch that. You can't taste that. You can't handle that. And we've been set free from that. 
And what a wonderful thing it is to be set free from that. Because so oftentimes, even as Christians, we can fall into the trap of thinking that, well, a good Christian just, you know, certainly can't enjoy life because all of life is sinful and we just can't be involved in anything. And we withdraw from society or we just, you know, are are constantly critical of people who seem to be enjoying themselves in any way. And then we kind of develop a reputation as, uh, you know, Christians are just against everything. People ask, are you guys for anything or are you just against everything? And sometimes it's understandable that people ask that because that's, that's the impression that we give. That's the, that's kind of the vibe that we put off. But But that shouldn't be the case because we're free to enjoy life. Not everything in life is sinful. And so we have to recognize that. You know, there are many things in culture. There's art and there's entertainment and there's, you know, there's music and there's just, you know, the, the enjoyable things of life. Some Christians think that all of that is taboo. That's all off limits. No, we can't engage in any of that. Well, look, the thing that God doesn't want us engaging in is sin. But let's not make up sinful stuff. Let's let God tell us what sin is and what it's not. We don't don't need to add to the list of sin. God's done a perfect job in laying that out for us. So, So we have freedom. This is the liberty that we have. We are free to enjoy life in our Father's world. It's God's world. And there are many wonderful things in God's world, even many wonderful things in culture, even many wonderful things that, that human beings, sinful human beings have developed. But because we're created in the image of God, there's still something in some of these things that can ultimately glorify God. So we're called to liberty. But now Paul says... Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. So, what is he talking about? Well, Peter puts it another, uh, the same thing, but he just words it differently. Peter says, do not use your liberty as a cloak for vice or a cloak for sin. In other words, do not say that Christian liberty means that I can just do anything I want, and I don't have to think twice about it. This is the misunderstanding of of liberty that sometimes people embrace. So here's what we need to realize. Christian freedom is freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. This is the mistake that is sometimes made. No, God has set us free from the law. He saved us by grace, not by works, But he hasn't saved us to let us just go run amok in sin. No, of course, his objective is to save us from sin. That's his purpose. And so the NLT puts it beautifully. The NLT says, for you have been called to live in freedom, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. So you see, when I say I am free in Christ, I'm, I'm not bound to the law. I'm not saying I can do anything I want. doesn't matter. I can live like the devil and go to, uh, expect to go to heaven at the end of the day. That's a, that's a misunderstanding. Anybody who thinks that way has uh, distorted 
the message of God's grace. So anyone who insists that the gospel encourages us to sin has simply not understood it yet nor begun to feel its power. When the gospel really takes hold in a person's heart, it moves you itself in the direction opposite of, of sin. That's the, what the gospel does in us. It's the power of the spirit working in us. So there have always been all the way back to biblical times, there have always been those who misinterpret grace and Christian liberty to allow for sin. As Paul would preach grace in his day, they would say, oh, Paul's, this is Paul's message. Paul's message is, um, let us do evil that good may come. Or because Paul says where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, some said, oh, Paul is teaching that we should just keep sinning and just sin as much as we want, because the more we sin, the more grace will come. And in response to both of those things, <laughs> Paul said, I am absolutely not saying that. I am certainly not saying that. And we are not saying that as we preach God's grace. That's not what we're saying at all. So for those who draw that conclusion, they are drawing an incorrect conclusion. Conclusion. Now, regarding Christian liberty, Paul also spoke in other places of Christian liberty. Now, in writing to the Corinthians, the Corinthians and the Galatians had kind of the opposite problems. The Galatians, of course, had embraced the law, right? That was their thing. So they had lost their liberty to religious legalism. The Corinthians, they weren't doing that at all. Their liberty was in jeopardy by giving themselves over to the flesh, just like Paul says not to do here. So Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, he says this. Listen, he says, all things are lawful for me. So this is a very broad statement on liberty. All things are lawful for me. Can I do that? Well, yeah, I can do it. But then he said this, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but all things do not edify. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. You see, Paul understood that liberty falsely exercised could lead one back into bondage and it's bondage that Christ has set us free from. We have had a double emancipation. We have been set free from both the condemnation of the law and the destructive power of sin, and we are to remain free from both of them. So much of what we've talked about up until this point in Galatians has been the first part, right? We've been talking about having been set free from the condemnation of the law. That's what Paul's been talking about. So we're just going along with what Paul is is communicating. But now he just throws in this reminder of what he's actually saying when he's emphasizing our liberty. Our liberty is not a cloak for vice. We're not to use our liberty to indulge the flesh. And we're not to use our liberty in a way that is unhelpful, unedifying, or potentially bringing us back into bondage. 
So we have to understand that. And in also, uh, or in writing to the Corinthians also, Paul says that our liberty has to be monitored by love. And that's what he goes on to say here, right? He says, for you have been called to liberty, only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Now, in writing to the Corinthians again, Paul talks about their abuse of liberty. And Paul says that if your liberty is stumbling somebody else, then you're not walking in love. So you see, my liberty is going to have limitations on it, not only because the things I allow might not be helpful, they might not be edifying, and they might potentially bring me back into bondage. All of those are very valid reasons. But there's one more reason. It's, it's also because I don't want my liberty to become a stumbling block to somebody else. But let's think about the, the two last things for a moment. If our liberty is exercised to the point that we come back into bondage, then we've abused our liberty, right? So we have to be very wise. We have to be very careful. And we also have to realize that this liberty thing has a real individual element to it because I might have a certain liberty that you don't have, and you might have a certain liberty that I don't have, and I can't assume that because you have the liberty that I also have it. I have to be aware of that. God might say to this person, you know, no problem. He might say to me, that's a problem for you. So you don't go there. You know, I talked to just about the subject of alcohol and the fact that the scripture prohibits absolutely 100% drunkenness, but it doesn't necessarily prohibit the drinking of alcohol. But this is where we need to have a lot of wisdom because for some people, the exercising of that liberty could lead you into bondage because you have a propensity for that, or you have a weakness there, or you, or you came out of something like that. So for you, you got to just, in my liberty, I am free to not do that. You know, this is the thing we've got to realize about liberty as well. Some people see it only in terms of, I am free to do this, I am free to do that. But you know what? Liberty also goes the other way. I am free not to do that. And that's an important aspect of liberty that we've got to see. If you're in bondage to something, then you're not free, right? So liberty sets you free to not do certain things as well. So I have to be extremely careful because I do not want to risk coming back into bondage to anything myself, but I also have to be aware that there are other people that my liberty might stumble. And so I have to take them into consideration. Now, the Corinthians asked Paul, well, why is my liberty judged by somebody else's conscience? That's their problem, not mine. That's what they said. Paul said, no, it is your problem because that person is your brother. And you're to walk in love. And love for your brother means if my liberty would cause them to stumble to the point that they would be brought back into bondage, then my liberty needs to go. Because love trumps liberty. 
I was talking to a person after first service this morning, and she was saying to me, she said, you know, in, in my experience and in my family context, we had a situation where my, my husband and, and some other family members, they had, you know, they had a liberty to drink. And so they came and, you know, my husband kind of engaged in that. And pretty soon he was back involved in drunkenness. And she said that at a certain point, she went to them and said, hey, you know, you need to stop this because this is the influence that you're having and this is destructive for our family and all of that. And the response of the person was, hey man, I've got liberty. You know, don't tell me what to do or not to do in this. See, that's an abuse of liberty. That's not an, an exercising of Christian liberty according to what the scripture says. That's an abuse of liberty. The proper exercise of liberty at that point is to say, oh, yes, okay, I get it. I understand that I do have this freedom, but my freedom has become a stumbling block for somebody else, so I'm going to withdraw that freedom. And that's what Paul is talking about here when he says that we are to uh, use our liberty not as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love we are to serve one another. And so... God's grace has set us free from bondage to the law and from bondage to sin so that we can serve him and each other. And so notice here, and it's kind of a play on words, Paul says that we are free to serve. Now, serving was what a slave did. So it's interesting that Paul says we're free to serve. But it's one of those sort of funny ironies that you find in Scripture. We're now free to serve. So in other words, our freedom that God has given us, this glorious liberty that we're talking about, he set us free to just be able to serve him and one another. He set us free from the law. He set us free from sin. So we serve God because of his great love for us and our desire to reciprocate that love. So I'm free to serve God in love. I don't serve God out of fear of judgment. I don't serve God because I'm afraid that if I don't, he's going to zap me. I serve God because his love has so impacted my life, and I'm speaking collectively for all of us. This is the way we're, we are to to function in this, we serve God out of love because of his love for us. So I don't do this because I have to do things for God. It's the perspective is, no, I get to do this. I get to do this. I get to serve the Lord. I get to show him how much I appreciate his love for me by just doing things in return. I reciprocate that love that he has for me. But it's that love that he has for me that is the motivating factor. So you see, under the legal system, I'm, my motivation is fear. My motivation is that you know, if I don't do this, I'm going to either be in trouble or I'm going to miss out on a reward or, or something like that. But that's not our motivation. Our motivation is love. God loved us. And so we are just returning that love. Now, Paul also here, remember, the Galatians were really enamored with the law. They wanted to, you know, somehow 
even though they thought you needed to incorporate the law, it's almost like Paul says, okay, you want to bring the law into the picture? All right, we'll do it right here. Here it is. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's like, oh, wait, that's not the law we were thinking about. But that, that's the essence of the law. Circumcision, all of these things were peripheral things. The real core of it was loving your neighbor as yourself. So Paul says, yes, this is the law. This is the summation of the law. And so we serve one another out of love because our father puts his love for his children in our hearts. And he does that by the spirit. So the point is we've been set free from the law and we've been set free from the destructive power of sin so we could serve God and serve one another in love. And we do that by the Spirit. And now from this point forward, Paul is going to move in to this wonderful explanation for us of how this Christian life works. It is a life that is life in the Spirit. And he says, and notice this, he gives a promise. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So Paul here is giving us the key to maintaining the freedom that Christ has set us free with. It's being in the spirit. It's the life of the spirit. And we'll go in depth in looking at the life of the spirit because this one verse Verse 16 is really, it, it really is the key to living the Christian life as God intended us to live it. But in closing, walking in the spirit is how we remain free from the dominion of sin. And it is how we fulfill the great command to love one another. And as we do that, as we walk in the spirit, and as we experience the victory, then we live in this wonderful place of freedom. And that place of freedom is, the, is where the blessing is. It's where the blessing is for us. And it's where the blessing is that, that goes out from us to others. As they see the freedom, as they see the joy, as they see the fruit of the Spirit that he's going to go on to talk about a little bit later in the chapter. So it all comes back around to where they started, really, because you remember at the beginning of the letter, Paul asked them the question, did you receive the spirit by the hearing of faith or by the keeping of the law? So Paul's bringing them all the way full circle. I'm taking you back to where you started. You've been off on this, this detour, this diversion, but now you're coming back around to it all comes down to life in the spirit. And that's what the Christian life is about. It's about life in the spirit. And so we will carry on looking at that. But once again, finally, we've been set free. Let's stay free. Don't abuse the liberty, but use the liberty to serve God and others. the month of May, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. 
If you've ever pondered if there is really only one way to God, or if all religions ultimately lead you to God, then this book is for you. Rebecca McLaughlin addresses this very topic and others that confront Christianity head on. The book Confronting Christianity is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Galatians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. Hi, this is Cheryl and Brian Broderson. And we wanted to tell you that we're going to Israel in October 2022. And we want you there with us. Yeah, the dates are October 23rd through November 4th. And this is going to be a tremendous trip. Cheryl, what's your favorite thing about Israel? I love the Galilee, but Brian... You and I both know there's so much because we love watching the Bible come alive, whether you're at Tel Aviv or you're at Jerusalem or Caesarea. Yep. Or Mount Mount Carmel. Carmel. Yes. We are so excited about this Israel trip because we absolutely love going to Israel. So we'd love to have you join us October 23rd through November 4th, 2022. And you can find more information at israel.cccm.com. We'd love to have you join us.